Well, in the next few minutes, I want to try and take an opportunity to explain the gospel. Uh, what we call the gospel. You know, the gospel is simply an ancient word that means good news. And sometimes people hear what people call the gospel and it doesn't seem like good news. And there are ways that this has been interpreted and those kinds of things. So I'm going to take us through two different versions and I, I, want, us to, I want you to hear this. So if you're new, just kind of lean in and listen to this. And uh, if you've been around the church for a while, some things might, uh, might uh, shock you just a little bit. So let's, uh, let's do this together. The first one, they start off very similar. First one is that at the beginning, God created everything that there was. This is the more modern or newer version of the gospel, okay? God created all that there was, and He created humanity. We saw this just a few weeks ago, right? Created to be a reflection of God, to be His image in the world, to take care and care for uh, those this world that he has created. But in that garden, because God gives freedom, humanity sinned and turned away from God. Now, this version of the Gospel says then that, God, that mankind or humanity broke the law of God. He had commanded them not to eat of the tree. And because God is holy and righteous, God had to turn away from man and sent him out into, out of Eden and out into the, into the world on his own. Eventually, Jesus comes as a man. And he lives the life that Adam was supposed to live. He lives it perfectly in connection. He's reflecting who God is and all of those kinds of things. And then in the end, when Jesus was rejected and despised uh, by the teachers of the law, he is put on a cross. He suffers and he dies. We talked about that on Easter Sunday or on uh, Good Friday. And God does this thing where he places all of the sin of the world on Jesus. And because God is holy and righteous and cannot look upon sin, he turns away. This uh, then becomes the gospel. Then Jesus dies. But wait, He is ro- rises again on Easter Sunday. That's what we celebrate, right? <laughs> and now, we have the opportunity to say that what Jesus did was for us. And if we say yes, and we just believe that this is true, then we can live in this right relationship with, with God. But if we don't, then we continue to live in sin, and because God is holy and righteous, He cannot look upon us. And we live our lives, and if we die, then that we can be eternally separated from God. Now, this is what I would say is the more modern version. It comes out of the West, out of uh, Rome and beyond, uh, from those times around, beyond Rome and, and little, uh, along the Protestant Reformation and those kinds of things really began to bring this in. But let's hear what I believe is a more ancient, and when you're talking about ancient things, the further back you can go, the more reliable. The closer the source, right? If you heard something from somebody and you, you heard it from an actual eyewitness, you would believe that more than if you were the hearing it from the 23rd witness, right? Are you with me? Are you, are you rolling? Okay. 
So, here is the more ancient, and I believe more biblical understanding. It is the difference between the earlier version that I just showed to you, which is retributive, and this is the more restorative. And I believe biblical and ancient. It begins very similar. God created in the beginning all things. The earth and everything that is in it. And He created humanity and He placed them in the garden to be His image and His reflection and to care for all the earth that He has created. But of course, because man is free, man sinned and became sick with sin that leads to death. And all of creation is now subject to futility and death. But God came around and in the garden said, where are you? And when he said, well, we were naked, he said, who told you you were naked? And are you wearing fig leaves? What? Well, that's just not smart. And he said, did you eat from the tree that I told you not to? And Adam said, yes. And so God did send him out of the garden because he didn't want him to have the tree of life and be subject to death and the futility of death for all eternity. He sent him out. And later, when those children were subject to the futility and death of slavery for 400 years. God comes and God gets in front of them and God sends Moses and God gives them the good commandments that we just finished a series on that teaches them how to be human again, that teaches them how to live in right relationship with God and right relationship with the others. And, and we do this together. When they eventually made it to the kingdom and their king turned away, David... He saw somebody on a hot, in a hot tub. <laughs> somebody else's wife, and she got pregnant. God comes and confronts David with his sinfulness, and David repents. And, and God says, that baby out of this, that is the one out of whose line my son will come. And when Israel turned from God time and time again, God didn't, didn't turn away. God turned towards and God sent prophets to help them and to guide them and to help them and to shepherd them and to pull them back. And He said wonderful things like, how can I let them go? I will woo them back out into the desert. My, I will put My law on their heart. I will give, take their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. God is always turning towards His children. So it should be no surprise then when Jesus shows up on the scene and when man is still lost in the futility of sin and death, Jesus comes as a baby. And the angels declare good news for all people. For there's a Savior that is born. And this is Christ the Lord. And throughout His life and ministry, when a woman is at a well... And she's all alone in the noonday sun because in her tiny village she's had not one divorce, not two divorces, not three divorces, not four divorces. Come on! Not, but five divorces. And the, woman, well, the one that she's with now is not her husband. And yet God comes to the well 
and sits down before her and says, you're thirsty and I can give you living water that will bubble up inside of you for all your life. And she becomes the great evangelist to the Samaritans. And when a short wee little man decides to join the bad guys and tax his brothers and sisters and take a little bit on the side and no one wants to be with him and he is thrown out by his own brothers and sisters. Everybody hates him. When Jesus walks by, he looks up in a tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come down today for I'm going to your house and we're going to eat together, which means I accept you, I receive you, and something drastically changes in Zacchaeus. And when a man so tortured and broken that, he, that they say he is demon-possessed and no one can bind him and he lives out in the graveyard and no one wants to see them, they just hear him crying and cutting himself day in and day out. Jesus actually gets in a boat and goes all the way over and sits before him and says, Be quiet. Leave him. And the man is found clothed and in his right mind. Something changes. He wants to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Um, go back to your families and tell them what God has done for you. And when a woman is caught in the very act of adultery, set up really, and the religious leaders of her day are ready to stone her, they have written her off, God comes. And stoops down in the ground beside her and begins to write in the sand. And he says to the religious system, let anyone who is without sin cast the first stone. And they all walk away from the oldest first to the youngest. And Jesus says to her, I don't condemn you. Go, sin no more. Something changes within her. And when mankind takes God and spits on Him, and beats Him, and abuses Him, and crucifies Him in one of the most gruesome ways to die that we've ever seen. God doesn't retaliate, but God says from the cross, to those who have tortured Him and are killing Him, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And then, Jesus, because from the time of Adam until Jesus, remember, man has been subjected to the futility of sin that leads to what? Death. And all the people who have been subjected to death. Jesus, God goes even there. That's what we celebrate on Holy Saturday. That Jesus, what does the, what does the, uh, the creed tell us? He descended into hell. And he proclaimed the good news. And he becomes the one who Revelation tells us, I am the one who was dead and now I am alive again. And Matthew tells us of those who came out of the grave with him to reflect him and to show his grace and mercy. And Revelation tells us that this one who was dead and now is alive again is the one who holds the keys to death and to hell. And would you not want Jesus, the one who forgives his enemies, to be the one with those keys? Hallelujah. Amen.
Amen. So what do we see on Easter Sunday? We see some women and some disciples who think their Lord is gone and the futility of sin and death has taken Him from them. God's still up to His old tricks. Because Jesus shows up and when He says her name, Mary, she knows something is different. And she becomes the first evangelist for Jesus, the risen Lord and Savior. And when two disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus because they're leaving Jerusalem because they think that the Romans have won and we really thought that Jesus was going to be something that He said, guess who shows up? Right in front. And He breaks the bread. And in the breaking of the bread and in the taking of the, of the cup, they recognize it's Jesus and they run back to Jerusalem. We see this time and time again. When His own disciples are gathered in an upper room because they're afraid that the Jews are going to come and get them next, what happens? Jesus comes right into the locked room and says, Peace, be still. You see, I now hold the keys. And so today, my brothers and sisters, whatever your story is, whatever futility and sin you are lost in. I'm here to tell you it does lead to death and you know this because it's killed your relationships. It's killed your bodies. It's taken things from you. It's taken work from you. It's taken jobs from you. It has taken life from you. You know this. And so today on Easter Sunday, God comes and God sits before you. And he says, it doesn't have to be this way anymore. You can come. Open your arms and come in. Let me come in. You see, my holiness is not afraid to look at sin. In fact, your sin sickness is healed when my holiness shows up in your life and you say yes. This is what we believe. This is very, very in line with what John Wesley taught. Sin as sickness, not sin as breaking the law. If it's just breaking the law, then of course there's punishment. But when you are sick, no amount of whipping will heal you. Only grace and mercy can heal you. And so God comes to you today, and you may be beating yourself up like no other, and God comes and stands before you and says, Be gentle. You're my image. You may have struggled all your life. And yet today I come and I'm standing before you. So this Easter, my brothers and my sisters, will you stop running and say yes to the one whose loving kindness can heal your deepest wound. Whose living water can quench your thirst. Whose touch can heal your soul. Will you say yes today? Will you return? Will you say yes for the first time? I can think of no better spiritual birthday 
than Easter Sunday. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to You. And we're so grateful that You perfectly mirrored God to us. That God has always been coming to humanity with hope, with healing love, with restoring grace and compassion. And I pray as we have heard these two versions of the good news, some of us hear the first version, and really honestly, that's why we stopped believing. So today, would you invite with your restoring grace and love that looks upon us as we truly are and you are filled with compassion, come and help us. I pray for my brothers and sisters that you will give them the courage to say yes today. For we pray these things in your name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I've placed a chair here in front of each section of the altar. And I'm going to ask you today, I know you're just dying to get home to your ham dinner and that's fine, it'll still be there. But don't miss an opportunity today to say yes to God's love for you in your life. And if that's you, would you come today and just kneel at an altar? Someone wants to pray with you. Someone wants to help you know how deeply you are loved. And by coming forward, you are simply saying, I need this love that Pastor Jeff talked about today in my life. I want that to happen. Would you plan to come? Just come forward and kneel. Uh, you can kneel before the chair if you want to or at the altar. God is in your way today. And he says, I have life, and it's for you. Come and receive.